Thank you for listening to our New Life Christian Center podcast. Stay tuned after the sermon for more ways to connect with us. I want to preach to you just for a moment today. I didn't know how much time I would would have um, to to do this, but I want to preach for just a, a moment from the book of Matthew, chapter 6. The book of Matthew, chapter 6. If you're following along in your Bible, we invite you to open there. If you're using some sort of digital thing, we invite you to push the buttons and get to that place. Did you find Matthew chapter 6? Say amen. All right. Father, thank you for the opportunity to speak your word, for the opportunity, Father God, to recognize that you are at work among us. That, Father, you're not a respecter of individuals. You're also not a respecter of past. Thank you, Lord God, for the young people who heard your voice at such an early age. For those, Father, who presented themselves today, who may have ran from God for a season. Thank you, Lord God, that as they were running, they ran right into you. Thank you, Father, for that. Thank you for these families, Father, that are just following in what it means to be a godly family. Thank you that the anointing to be a spiritual father is something we learn from you. The anointing to be a spiritual mother is something that we can learn from you. The anointing to be godlike children is something we can learn from you. Thank you, Father, for this time in Jesus' name. Amen. So, in Matthew chapter 6, notice in the fifth verse the following words. It says, and when you pray, the implication here is that everyone is going to pray. Okay? So it's not, oh, if you, if you just kind of fall into that and maybe occasionally or maybe sometimes, or actually maybe when it's really, really serious, you'll pray. But he says, no, when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. Now, I don't want to get too religious about all of this, but hypocrisy is really saying one thing and living another. It comes from a root word which is oftentimes defined as what an actor does. It means to put on a mask. And so he said, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. Don't be like those who put on a mask. So here's my encouragement to you today. I don't want you to live as if what just happened in your midst today is something where you had to wear a mask on Sunday morning to please everybody else. I want this to be who you are. I want this, this time where you made confession before your family here at this church. It becomes how you live on Tuesday and Monday and Thursday and Wednesday and every day of the week. It becomes something that completely changes you. So when you pray, he says, don't be as the hypocrites. But look at what he says about the hypocrites. He says, for they love to pray standing in the synagogue. Basically, the, the implication is they want to be noticed. And so much of what we do in Christian faith teeters on that line. I mean, obviously, we had a public baptism. We did this in front of you all. But we did it because the people did what the Bible says in confessing Jesus Christ and wanted to share with all of you what had happened in their life. There are very few things that the Bible gives us kind of permission 
to share among people. But this is one of them. It says, confess me before men and I'll confess you before the Father. That just happened today. I tried to ask each one of these participants. And you heard me ask some of the little children. Your mom and dad didn't force you, did they? Because you see, we're not doing it to satisfy our church or our religious bent. We really believe that when someone asks Jesus into their heart, they are radically transformed. We actually believe that. We believe it marks their life for the rest of their life. He said they do it to make a show. In the synagogues, in the corners of the street, they may be seen of men. Assuredly, I say to them, they have their reward. Now, notice for me, if you would, please, that their reward was to be noticed. The reward of a baptism is not to be noticed. They didn't do that so that you could leave here and go, oh, I was there. And and, and let me pick on little Haley for just a second. She's been inviting Jesus into her heart on a regular basis. I mean, it's like an every night deal in, in their household. She didn't do it so you would notice. In fact, if you notice the smaller kids when they came up, they knew they were in front of you. And some of them went, oop, I'm scared. Why were they scared? Why would young people be scared to confess their faith or to be in front of people like that? Because even at a young age, occasionally Christians are just not kind. Isn't that comforting? See, the people that presented themselves for baptism today had to fight through. What will you all think? Are the little kids, are there, are, 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 is their salvation real? Yes. Yes. Believe in your heart. Believe in your heart. That's how it works. Notice verse number six. But when you pray, go into your room. This is literally a word about kind of a communion place, a place where you and God are kind of alone, for lack of a better way to say it. It doesn't have to be a room room. In fact, if you've ever seen a a Jewish prayer shawl, a lot of times that room that was created when that was rolled up off their shoulders and put over their head would actually roll down. And if they were sitting at a table or something, it would roll down and cover their face. And that was their room. That was their place. Probably each one of these people who presented themselves today has an experience with their room with God. How did we get to that place where we could hear God's voice and not be embarrassed by doing something like this in in front of everybody? You see, that's what God wants us to understand. Forget what the tradition is. Remember what the power of faith is that connects us as a family. He says in verse number six again, He says, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, and really that's just an an indication to, to tune out everything else. And to hear God's voice, you kind of got to stop talking. Right? I mean, you you kind you kind of got to tune some things out. And when a young person does it, it's kind of amazing. Because all of us who have raised kids, we recognize that my oh my. They can be really random. But what happens when that settles in their heart? And for a couple of our young people who happen to know personally, that's what they talk about. 
Jesus living in their heart. Notice it says in the seventh or the middle of the sixth verse, and pray to your father who is in the secret place. It's only secret until it's revealed to you. Okay? It's only secret until it's revealed to you. So many people don't understand when the Bible talks about secret things or about mysteries that really God through the Holy Spirit wants to reveal to you those secret places. Most of the time it ends up being a part of your heart. That somehow in the midst of your daily conversation, you're talking to God right in here. You're hearing God somehow. I mean, sometimes it sounds like a, like a conscience, like, like your own head, only you wouldn't be necessarily like spiritual or smart enough to come up with that. And so then you kind of know it's God who, who says, you know, uh, maybe you should uh, uh, go to church. And you go, yeah, well, I got lots of things to do on Sunday morning, and so maybe not, you know. But where'd you get the idea? I was telling our adult Sunday school class today that nobody ever has a, an original negative thought. That what the enemy of our souls wants to do is to get you to so doubt the reality of God that the negative thought processes that the spiritual world puts into you becomes your reality. Or literally, you become beyond material for salvation. That you judge yourself based on what you've done. You enter into a level of shame that says, I've done so many things that surely not even God could deal with this. See, that's not your idea. That's the spiritual world's idea. The second half of that is when we think in that idea that if we love God, if we choose to serve God, that we can never have any more fun. Um, I'm, I'm not sure, but I think, based on my experience, that serving God becomes the most fun you could ever have. Because when you see, I mean, Miss Catherine came up and, and shared her story. I mean, she just did what she probably thought churches do. And she sent an email on a Monday or a Sunday night. I don't remember exactly when it came in. Um, and so I sent it out, Tracy and I sent it out to, to the people of the church on, on, the, on, the, on an email. And said, hey, please pray. And, and then the following Sunday, we prayed in church. Because it's just what churches do, Right. I mean, we, just, we, we pray for people. That's, that's what we do. That's who we are. That's what's expected of us. But in reality, most of the time, we don't expect any return. We do it to get the check mark on the holy blackboard of heaven. Oh, yeah, I prayed. But in, in this case, God heard your prayers and touched a body. And made something seemingly that was impossible become possible. See, when you find your place, that secret place, it's where God does stuff that you can't even begin to get your mind around. Because the Bible says, ear hasn't heard, eye hasn't seen, nor has entered into the heart what God has prepared for those who love Him. God is in the business of doing the impossible. But because we end up saying to ourselves, well, I've never seen that happen. Well, I've never seen myself saved before I accepted Jesus Christ. And I can't explain what Jesus did in my life, but many of you, if you're old enough, you knew me when. Some of you are still amazed. So you just missed out on all the middle part where God was kind of hammering me into shape. 
whatever shape that is. Round is a shape, okay? So anyway, <laughs> you, you end up realizing that God does these things because he has this place of revelation, this place of secrecy that, that's kind of hidden to the average and normal man. In fact, 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and, and, and verse number 14, it says, The natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit. And so if we have to think through, well, I've never seen that before. That's not necessarily a prerequisite for truth. I've never seen these people before they got saved. I mean, they weren't, and then they were. Yeehaw! And then they joined the rest of you crazy people. They came to church. I mean, how crazy is that, that somehow some transition took place in the secret place of the Father in their hearts? I mean, gollies, it's so impressive to me to watch a family grow in the things of God. To have the reality of Christianity that comes from the secret meeting place with God. And you say, well, where is that? No, you get to determine that. He says, I'm in, God says, I'm in secret. What that means is, what I believe that means is, you don't all the time get to go with a whole bunch of people. You get to go by yourself into this secret place. You need to find, here's where my father is. Here's how he speaks to me. Here's how this works. Now let's keep reading. And verse number seven, he says, well, the end of verse number six, and he says, and your father who's in secret place, your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. I don't know how you feel about the people who got baptized. But will you agree with me for just a moment that it took a level of God-inspired faith to come before people that they don't even know and to stand up, sit down, get wet, get back out, and just do the embarrassment so that you all would believe they've been changed. It's pretty impressive. I mean, they, we could have done this privately and maybe went down, you know, I don't remember how many of you were here when we, when we did baptisms back when the gardener li- gardeners lived on the river over there and I think Larry took a backhoe down there and dug a hole for us or something and we got, we got baptized in the Republican River, which is really just the sewage waterway for the cows of Yuma County. Okay? Sorry. I didn't think you would think that was that funny. I wasn't trying to be funny. I just... When people got, got baptized in the Jordan River, man, this was runoff from the desert. It's ugly water. Amen. But he rewarded us openly. Verse 7. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions. Now, vain repetitions means empty or without power. See, God doesn't hear us because we say it enough that he gets bothered enough by it that he finally does something to get you to shut up. See, this is about heartfelt faith. This living kind of thing in your heart that says whether anything happens or not, I know this is what God said to me. 
You know, when Catherine's dad had the, the stroke and, you know, you can, you can hear those things that go, oh, that's not going to end well. Man, oh man, that's terrible. And of course, probably the doctors came and told him that maybe it's not going to end well and, and here's what happens and all that kind of stuff. And Tracy and I are in that same boat with our own family. And you can hear that kind of stuff where, oh, maybe this isn't going to end well. But something rises up on the inside of you. Something. It's not vain repetition where you're thanking God for what he's doing in your life or what he's doing in your family's life or what he's doing in your loved one's life. See, that kind of gratitude, that produces an, an, an avenue or a river of flow where God is just pouring his grace out. And the only way that any of us can make it through all of this is through the prayer that brings the kind of refreshing substance and sustenance that God offers. See, don't use vain repetitions. You know, just, well, I'm just checking off my list, Pastor. You know, I prayed for you today. You know, I don't want you not to pray for me, but if all you have is a list, you can check it off all you want. But I want you to pray when your heart is engaged. Where you, you know, somebody told me recently as, as they were watching us and, and, and they said to me, you're not hiding your tiredness very well. And sometimes what we go through in life is, is difficult. You know, some of these young parents that came up here and got three or four kids, I'll just tell you, we've been through that, and it's not always easy. When we had our third child, I thought that somebody shortened the clock. Because there was always more left to do than there was time. And my wife and I had to learn how to do zone defense. You got two, you can do man on man. You take that one, I'll take this one. When you got three you got to figure out how to do it. When you got four, it gets worse. And some of you, you did more. Wowza. You really have to learn, don't you? But you see, when you pray, you're not using vain repetitions, as the heathens do, another great word. For they think they'll be heard for their many words. I'm telling you right now, a heartfelt prayer that yells help is way better than a King James verse prayer that says, Thou dost know. No one talks that way. Thou dost know that this world is ugly and we are struggling. And, you know, listen, God is not unaware of what's going on. What you need is the grace and the strength that God gives you to stand in the face of that and say, It doesn't make any difference what's going on. My God is in charge. Like I said last week, there wasn't a steering wheel in the ark. You don't need one in your life either. You don't need God's help. You need God to do it. So when you pray, don't use those vain repetitions. They think they'll be heard for their many words. Verse 8, and it's the reason that I am preaching this area. He says, therefore, do not be like them. Who? The heathen and the hypocrites. The heathen who think they can get God's attention by talking a lot and the hypocrites that think that because they're doing something where everybody notices, that'll be pleasing to God. Don't be like them. For your father, now if you're a Bible underliner, if you know how to highlight in your electronic device, do it. For your father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. So let me tell you something about the adults who came up here today for baptism. God knew what they needed before they knew what they needed. God worked 
to put people in those people's lives, to give example, to give reference, to be support, to be structure before they ever knew that they needed it. I've talked with a man recently and he said that one of you was put in his life 10 years ago and it's just now in this year he's figuring it out that God put that guy in his life 10 years ago to prepare him for today. 10 years God was thinking about this. So you got to understand these kinds of things. God knows what you need. And so if he knows what you need, your little list of needs, which are really interesting, probably not necessary. I'd rather find what God has for me than to tell God what I think I need. Well, God, I need this. I don't know what I need. But God, if I can just trip over what you've prepared for me, if I can just run into it, because I'm not sure what to look at that, because he says he'll do exceedingly abundantly beyond anything we can ask or even dare to think. Well, if you're not prepared to see something that you are pretty amazed with, then you'll kind of sell short of what God has for you. You'll end up saying to yourself, well, I've never known that God would do something like that. And yet in the story I was just telling you, 10 years ago, God started thinking about an individual. And through a set of circumstances, maybe like Jerry, through a set of circumstances, all of a sudden, almost like this holy accident, this comes together and it begins to make sense. Why? Because God knows what you need before you ask. See, when you see these kind of passages in the Bible, you just think they're good religious things. Well, yes, pastor, you know that's good. That's a good verse. I really like that verse. But we live as if it's not true. And we try and beat down the doors of heaven, which, by the way, the doors of heaven aren't closed. So if you're beating on something that you perceive as a door, it's probably a wall and you ought to find the door. Okay? Because it's open. God is pouring out. In fact, the Bible says, where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. Well, I just want to tell you something. Last time I checked, this world is nuts. There's some serious sin in our world. And God knows we need grace just to take our next, next step in this world. Well, why not receive that? He knows what we need. God will do that. If you're with us today, whether digitally by, by on the internet or, or in the house today, God knows what you need before you ask. If what you're asking for never seems to happen, you might be missing the mark of what he has for you. You're asking for something. I told a story a couple of weeks ago that I have a shelf in my closet. And if any of my stuff is ever lost... It's actually on the shelf in the closet. That's where it goes. And instead of saying to my wife, hey, have you seen my phone? Nope, it's on the shelf. Instead of saying to God, hey, God, what do you have? Nope, it's right in here. It's right in this book. And he says, don't be like them. Your father knows the things you need before you ask him. Look what God does as he orchestrates our lives. He does stuff we didn't know we need. Your family, if you're here with your family to, to, to give evidence to one of the baptisms that took place today, your family loved you so much and loved God enough to say, please come and watch what God's done in my life or in my child's life. If you're a grandparent in here, your heart ought to be turning flips. 
Because when your young people love God, it will change their world, their house, their state, their nation, their world. There's nothing stopping people who are people of faith. Because God knows what we need before we ask. Amen? Amen. Come on, music team. Do we have a music team? I never notice when people do or don't leave. and So I'm not sure where they're coming from. Please congratulate your family again and for the members here. Would you just give them a, a hand clap for the faith it took for them to be involved? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Well, stand with me, would you please? Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for this service. We bless you, Lord God, because we recognize that in the midst of this time, where confusion abounds in our world, young to old, in our midst, heard God's voice. And they gave evidence of the change in their life today. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.